Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19 says, A brother harder, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. And death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Father, we just ask, Lord, that our hearts would be open to what the Spirit of the Lord is teaching us through your word today. And Lord, we ask that you allow me as your servant to say no more, no less than what the Spirit of the Lord would say to your congregation. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. I find it so interesting that it says death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Right after it says an offended brother is harder to win. You know, most of us, are challenged in life as a result of what other people say to us. And that's the biggest challenge that most of us have in this life is to overcome the opinion of man. The Bible says that the fear of man or being led or being driven by what men think about you is a snare. And the reason it's a snare is because man will always create your world with limitations. They'll, they'll tell, well, you can... You know, you have this IQ, you can be an engineer, you can be a doctor, or you can do this, or you can do that. But that's so contrary to what God says. Because God says you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you will quicken. We always use this in the area of healing, but quicken your mortal body. But it really means it will put the life of who God wants you to be inside you. And you, and, and you've heard me say this many times, but I'm going to say it over and over and over until you get it. But you can be what God says you can be. Amen. And you can go where God says you can go. And you can have what God says you can have. You can live where God says you can live. You can work where God says you can work. You can do all things. Tell your neighbor you can do all things. You can do all things through Christ, which strengthens you. But many times when man gives their opinion of us individually or we receive an opinion of somebody else, especially someone we admire, you know, then we begin to allow those words to cultivate and put images on the inside of us. And that's why it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, that the weapons of your warfare are not carnal but mighty through God. Not mighty through you, you know, defending yourself. Mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And so one of the things that we need to learn to do is we need to learn to, you know, cast down those images that become strongholds on the inside of us that have been spoken over us by other individuals. And sometimes we think people are thinking things of us and they're not thinking anything about us. You know, and, and so we need to remind ourselves of that too. You know, people don't wake up in the morning saying, you know what, I'm going to give you a hard time. Right. You know, God has a way of removing those people who do wake up that way. You know, but most people don't wake up thinking, you know, how can I make your day miserable? Or how can I change your life? But because of the way they have grown up or the way they have been cultivated or the way they see themselves, they project themselves and sometimes they project an image on you that's not of God and this word offense, you know, a lot of times we think of it, and we always think of the word offense more in the church anywhere else. I don't know why. 
But this word offense is, you know, uh, uh, contrary to what God has for you. You know, you don't have to be angry and be offended. But it's a stumbling block. It's a trap is what it is. And the trap of other people's opinions about you is one of the greatest traps in the world. And this is what God wants us to get us free from. And this is why he went on to say death and life are in the power of the tongue. Why? Because we're going to see here in just a minute, according to the scriptures, that we can determine our destiny by the power of our own words. We are our own self-prophets, if I could say it that way. We can prophesy to ourselves what God has for us, and we can see it come to pass. I know that it's been, I've been accused, you know, you know, uh, you know, in the faith movement. Are you one of those blabbit grabbits? Are you one of those, you know, confess and possess it type Christians? Well, that's a little harsh in saying that, and I know that's a way of mocking who I am, but nevertheless, I am in the image of God, and so are you. That same spirit that created, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Well, how do you think Jesus was raised from the dead? Because God spoke, Son, come back alive. And it was done. I don't know about you, that's powerful. And the reason it's maybe more powerful for some of us that have been to Israel because we've been to the tomb and it's empty. And it's empty because God spoke, Son, come back alive. How powerful is that? He is a God that calls things that be not as though they are. And that's what Abraham said about him. He calls things that be not as though they are. You know, he's a God who spoke to Sarah and Abraham and said, you shall have a child, even in the deadness of their wombs. What happened? They spoke what God said. They said what God said. They, first of all, they believed what God said, and then they spoke what God said. You know, I don't know if Sarah made a nursery after all that. I'm not real sure what happened. But nevertheless, they believed God's report. And that's why Isaiah says, whose report are you going to believe? And reports are always a result of usually, most of the time, of what someone has said or sometimes what someone has written. And that's why Jesus said, be careful to what you hear, Mark 4. Be careful to what you hear because how you hear is basically how it's going to be measured back to you or how you're going to receive it or let those words create an image on the inside of you. So death and life are in the power of the tongue. And you can get in agreement with what other people say about you, or you can get in agreement with what God says about you. But I found out that my life and my satisfaction comes from getting in agreement with what God says about me. Because man will always create the, your world too small for you. He will always put limitations on you. He doesn't really, the, the, the nature of mankind doesn't want you to be free. He wants you to be bound. He wants you to be oppressed. You know, the nature of man is when he sees somebody else, the nature of a person, now I'm talking people who aren't, aren't born again, you know, people in the world, when they say, see you successful, you know, the way they want to be successful is probably to discredit your success. I don't use for developing my character. I wish they were the same that they were back then, but they're not. But nevertheless, you know, they were a powerful tool to help develop my character. And... Uh, one of the things that the Boy Scouts did was, you know, they prepared me for life. They prepared me. Always be prepared, you know. Uh, a, a scout is trustworthy and kind and loyal and, and all those things. And I don't remember all the scout laws or, or the oath that I took on a regular basis. But this is one of the things that the scouts did is they, they began to develop who I was. 
And then when we moved, I, I had to wait to be uh, to turn 13 and a half because the rule back then was you couldn't receive your Eagles uh, merit badge until after you were 13 and a half. And I'd finished all my stuff up quickly. It's just the way I was. And I was hyperactive and my mom kept me busy. And that's one way she kept me busy. I did all these merit badges and everything. And so I had to wait till I turned 13 and a half, turned 13 and a half, received my badge. We moved and we were 14 when we moved. I joined another Boy Scout troop. And the Boy Scouts, uh, 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 the, 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 the scout leader's son told me, he said, yeah, we know you cheated to get your Eagles badge. Well, how do you cheat? You know, I, I don't know how you cheat. In other words, I was successful, and they wanted to discredit my success by telling me I was a cheater and a liar. Well, you know what? I, I became friends with that guy. He never knew what he said was so damaging to me. I, you know, I eventually got over it about 50 years later. But anyway... <laughs> I got over it. But you know what? It's the nature of people to try to discredit your success. You know, and you got to understand that's what's in the world. But God doesn't want other people to determine your success. He wants to determine your success. And Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And yes, he uses people to do that, unfortunately. He said, but I've come to give you life and to give it to you beyond measure. And the word life is Zoe, which is God's kind of life. I tell you what, this world would be much better off if we're all operating God's kind of life on a regular basis. What a witness that would be. You know, so I've come to give you God's kind of life and to give it to you in the word uh, uh, beyond measure or, 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 or it means, or, or, or with abundance, it means beyond measure. In other words, it's a continuance. He wants this to continue in your life over and over and over and over again. Beyond measure, you can't measure it. That's the kind of life he wants you to experience. He wants you to experience his kind of life beyond measure. Well, pastor, do you really believe that? Well, every church that I know, you know, ecumenical church that I know, one of the things that they teach is the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer is, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it... Oh, you know, who taught us to pray that? Jesus. Would he have us pray that if he didn't expect to answer it? So the truth is he wants you to experience his life here on this earth. That's his plan for you. And when you begin to experience that life, that kind of life on your earth, the world system is designed to try to take it and steal it away from you because the Bible tells us Satan is the God of this world. And so we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and weaknesses, the Bible tells us. And so our, 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 our war really isn't against people, but it's against the principalities that people yield to that try to create an image about who we are or who we're not supposed to be. And that's the biggest battle for most people to overcome. And it's offensive or it's a stumbling block for many people because that stumbling stop hinders them from being what God wants them to be. And so it's harder to win a brother who's offended. Or it's harder to convince someone that you can be all God wants you to be when the world has uh, uh, discredited them uh, from the day they were born. Well, you'll never amount to this, or you never can do this, or you can only do this, or you'll do this, or you'll do that, you know. And, you know, who says that, you know, you can't be everything that God says you can be? The devil says that. If he can't stop you from being born again, he's going to stop you being abundant, uh, live the abundant life here in this, in this life. And that's his plan, to steal, kill, and destroy. And so Jesus taught us 
how to overcome these things, and this is what he said. In Mark eleven twenty two, 22, he said, have faith in God. And this was after, and I taught on this last week, so if you need to get the review or need to get the message, go on the app and get the message. But after he spoke to the fig tree, no one shall ever eat from you again. But he didn't just speak to the fig tree. He went to the fig tree happily or expecting this fig tree, even though it wasn't time of seasons. Now, 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 Pastor, that just isn't right. That fig tree just didn't, wasn't, it wasn't its, its time. But I'm telling you that when the divine presence of God shows up, it's the divine presence time. Yeah. See, that fig tree had the ability, you know, to allow God pop out figs just like that. And so he answered the fig tree. You know, why did he answer the fig tree? Because the fig tree says, no, I refuse. I'm not going to do this. Well, what does Deuteronomy tell us? It says in Deuteronomy 28, And all, hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord thy God, and all these blessings will come upon you. Isn't that what it says, Deuteronomy 28? But then in verse 15 it says, And if you don't hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, these curses will come upon you. So this tree did not hearken to the voice of God. So what happened? God cursed. It's, it, it's, it's the system of God. This is the way it works. This is w- the way God's system works. You know, you, 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 you obey God, you get blessed. You don't obey God, you leave the door that the curse that's in this world to come into your life. And so what did Jesus do? He confessed what was already in motion. He confessed the system of God by going to the fig tree. The fig tree said, nope, I'm not producing figs for you. I don't care if you expected some from me. I don't care if I could. I don't care if your divine, you know, spirit touches me and all of a sudden all these figs are coming out. I'm just not doing it. Now, we, we don't think trees speak, you know, but Jesus answered the tree because the tree didn't respond to what he was expecting that tree to do. And that's what happened. And then when the disciples saw it, they said, man, Lord, I mean, this tree that you cursed yesterday, I mean, it's dead. I mean, it is so dry, we could use it for firewood today. That's how quickly this thing dried up. And so Jesus said, have faith in God. Say, have faith in God. So when Jesus said, have faith in God, he really said, have the faith of God. Have the faith of God. So when we think about the faith of God, God believes when he says something, it's going to happen. Amen. Now, I, I love astronomy. I don't have a telescope, and please don't feel led of the Lord to buy me one. Uh, I won't use it, okay? But I have internet, and I am on a site that shows me the new pictures of the James Webb telescope. I mean, if you've seen that. You know, and I'm telling you what, man, if you don't believe there's a God, look at some of those pictures. Uh, Man, it is just phenomenal. Galaxies, you know, light years away. And every time I see a picture of a new galaxy or something, I think that happened the moment God said light be. I mean, there's new galaxies being born and they don't know how many are being born. We're not talking just another star. We're talking galaxies, like our Milky Way, you know. They're being born every second, just continually. Why? Because God said, light be. 
You know, we think God said light be, and now we got the sun, and we got the moon, and we got the earth. No, when God said light be, I, I, I'm telling you, the, the power of God's words, when he says something, it just keeps on going and going and going and going. And so light's still going. Light is still coming on. You know, for infinity, it'll still happen. How powerful is that? And so when Jesus had had the faith of God, he's saying, you know, I want you to have the same kind of faith that when you speak, you're going to believe it's going to come to pass. When you speak, it's going to come to pass. Then he went on to say verily. And the word verily there, it means that this is a promise that's backed by a covenant. Okay? And then that's where you have to get into the study of the blood of Jesus and, and how that blood really ratifies a covenant that God's promised us. And, and, and we're not going to go there today. But this means that verily, in other words, this is backed by a covenant promise by God himself. What did God say to Abraham when Abraham said, you know, uh, how do I know I can believe you? And God said, well, there's no greater to swear except swear by myself. If I said it, it's going to come to pass, you know. And so God is saying this to you and to me. He said, verily I'm saying to you that whosoever, are there any whosoever's here in this house? Glory to God. Whosoever shall say on this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he's saying, he shall have those things which he is saying. That's what, it, that's what, it, that's what the scripture is telling us there. And that's Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24. And isn't it interesting enough that right after that he says, and when you're praying, if you have any unforgiveness in your heart, why? Why is he saying that? Again, because of the images of other people's words and you got to forgive them or you need to take your authority and release those words or those images or those opinions of other people by saying, you know what, I, I, have, the, I have the authority to do that. Now, when you go to Luke chapter 17, you're going to see something there. And Jesus starts out there in Luke chapter 17. He says, you know, it's impossible that people won't be offended. You know, people get offended. Offenses are going to come, but woe through whom they come. And that's another message in itself. And so anyway, um, you know, he, he begins to speak on this. And, and then one of the disciples said, well, Lord, how many times shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? You know, and one, one passage of Scripture, I don't know if it's in this one, but he said seven times 70. And so, you know, and then, the, then it says this, increase our faith. Increase our faith. Increase our faith. And he said, well, if you have the faith of a seed, say seed. seed. How big is a seed? You know, I mean, we got small seeds, big seeds, but the seed of a mustard grain, which is very, very tiny. Amen. If you had the faith of a seed of a mustard grain, you can say to the sick mine tree, be, be pulled up by the roots and cast in the sea. And so Jesus, again, is telling us, look, what I'm trying to teach you is use the power of your words to cast out the negative opinions and images that you have of yourself created by other people. Amen. And begin to fill yourself with the image of who God created you to be. Because he's created you to be an overcomer in this world. More than a conqueror. What's more than a conqueror? You know, I still haven't figured out how to define more than a conqueror. You know, because when you conquer once, you're a conqueror. But how do you become more than a conqueror? I guess you keep on conquering. I'm not real sure. But you're more than a conqueror is what the Bible says. Well, whose report are you going to believe? 
And this is why it's so important that we get back into the place where we begin to use our words to determine our future. Because I'm not going to let any man determine God's outcome for my life. If I'd listened to man years ago, if Vicki and I would have listened to man, we, she and I are the two most unlikely people to be doing what we're doing today. Not only be in ministry, but to see the blessing of the Lord in our lives. People, people, people who knew us, would, that could have never happened to them. That's truth. She's saying that truth about me, not about herself. <laughs> it is true. But with God, all things are possible. And that's why Jesus said, have faith in God or have the faith of God. And that's what he went on to say, if you have the faith of a seed of a mustard grain, you can say, and this is why it's so important that we say these things. And so, you know, I'm just going to veer off track here a little bit because I think somebody needs to hear this today. It's not in my notes. But when it comes to forgiving somebody, you know, if you're struggling with hurts or, or disappointments or something, you know, Jesus is saying, listen, if you have to say 490 times a day, then say it. I forgive that person. I forgive that person. If this thing is plaguing you, haunting you, bothering you, if you lose sleep, I forgive them. I let it go. I move on. Don't let what someone's done in your past affect what God has for your future. Doing some good preaching, Pastor. Thank you very much. Secondly, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, let's go there. Are you learning something this morning? First Timothy. Whoever gets there first, tell us what page number it is. First Timothy. Mine's 1044. So Paul is mentoring Timothy. And he's teaching him some things here. And he said, this charge, that doesn't sound like a suggestion, does it? I'm, I'm commanding you, uh, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Oh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds. Where are those strongholds? Are those strongholds about you in the image of somebody else? Probably not. Those strongholds of how you see yourself are in you. And the way you overcome them is by taking what the Word of God has said to you and begin to war with them. No, this is what the Word said. Now, prophecies here can mean two things. It can mean the biblical word, or it can be a rhema word that God gave you. Someday God's going to make you, maybe somebody called Jim, so I have a word for you. God's going to raise you up to be a millionaire. Well, then you need to start, you know, Declaring, I'm going to be a millionaire someday. Yep. I'm going to be a millionaire someday. You know what God? You know what Abraham did after God said, "You're going to have a son." I'm going to have a son. Mm-hmm. He called things to be not as though they are. God called things to be not as though they are. What was he doing? Called things to be not as though they are. I'm going to have a son. In fact, Abraham believed so much that God was so sure about him having a son and keeping a son. Abraham was, was willing to kill that son, knowing that God would have to raise him up. Because God made a promise. Well, that's faith. That's trust. That's where Abraham was. He said, I'm going to have a son. He had a son. And God blessed him. 
But I charge you that according to the prophecies made concerning you, that by them you may wage a good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, with some having rejected. Why is it that some haven't seen what God has for them? Because they rejected it. But you don't have to reject it. And this is what happened to the children of Israel. This is one reason why they couldn't go into the promised land, because they rejected what God wanted to do for them. They could not wrap their heads around the fact that they were once slaves, and God wanted to take them out of slavery and put them in a land of promise, of prosperity. They couldn't wrap their heads around it. And this is what happened. God could take them out of Egypt, but they couldn't get Egypt out of themselves. Well, Egypt is a type and shadow of the world. And this is what happens so many times with Christians is that, that because they've been in the world, they can't get the world out of them. And this is what God's trying to do. And how do you do it? By your words. By beginning to declare, hey, I can be what God says I can be. I can do what God says I can do. I can go where God says I can go. I can have what God says I can have. I can live where God says I can live. I can work where God says I can work. Amen? Amen. Because this is God's plan for your life. And so we war with them. We war with these prophecies, and we declare these things. We begin to declare them. We say, well, pastor, what if they don't come to pass? Well, what if they do come to pass? Well, what if they don't come to pass? You know, somebody will make fun of me or whatever. Who cares what people think? That's what you're trying to get free from anyway. You're trying to get free from what people's opinions about you are anyway. Who cares? You know, they saw you come to this church. They already think you're a nut. <laughs> Just kidding. You know, but some people in the world, well, I don't know why you do that religious stuff. But you know what? Their, their lives are being changed more than you realize it. You're affecting them more than they're affecting you. And you need to begin, begin to confess that. When I go to work, I affect all the non-believers in a positive way. Amen? My workplace is blessed because I'm here. The favor of God's on my life. Amen? And I bring favor everywhere I go. I want to see favor. Amen? I want to see it manifest in my life. What am I wearing? I'm wearing favor. Glory to God. So again, many times people are fearful of declaring what God uh, what they believe God has for said about them because of what it may look like if it doesn't come to pass. Well, some say Joseph shouldn't have declared his dreams to his brothers, but that's a myth because his dreams couldn't have been activated until he declared it. His dreams couldn't be activated until he declared it. And what did Joseph say? Joseph said in Genesis chapter 43, verses 4 and 5, Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. So they came near to him, and he said, I'm Joseph, your brother, whom you sold to Egypt. But now do not, therefore, be grieved or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve your life. Wow. As when Job prayed for his, his friends, Job 42.10, that God turned around, you know, the disaster into a blessing, and Job received twice as much. You know, when we begin to realize that, you know what, these offenses, these, these stumbling blocks that were thrown before us aren't really here to uh, uh, take us down. They're really a stepping stone to God's victory for our lives. Amen. You know, when challenges come, you know, Jesus said there'll be trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer, I've overcome them all. Is he in you? Are you in him? Yep. Well, are you seated with him in heavenly places? Well, then guess what? You get to overcome them all. 
So when they come, don't, don't begin to, you know, talk about the problem. Begin to thank God. God, how are you going to do this? This is so awesome. Lord, help me be open to the way you're going to resolve this issue for me. Because so many times we have a preconceived idea of how God can fix it. Or some of us, like me, try to help them. You know, and we go down the wrong path. And I find myself more and more praying, God, help me be open to the way you're going to do things. I want to see God do a new thing. He says, I'm going to do a new thing. Well, praise God. You know, the old things work pretty good, but you know what? He says, I'm going to do a new thing. You know, I mean, if he wants to, you know, if he wants to send a Clydesdale horse with a, 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 you know, a wagon full of money here to meet the needs, he'll do it. Now, I know nobody has a Clydesdale horse in this congregation. (laughs) But if he wants to do it, he can do it. Amen. I mean, if he wants to create gold in your backyard while you're digging a tree and you find a big nugget of gold that's worth $2 million, he can do it. Hello, somebody. I see everybody going to the nursery this afternoon and buying trees for their yards. (laughs) So our future isn't based on another person's opinion. It's based on God's opinion. And this is why Jesus said, when, when Peter got this revelation, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, he said, upon this rock I'm building my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he said, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. All right, you got those keys. Now this is how you operate them. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Well, you don't get into this thinker position like this and start thinking this is bound, this is bound, this is bound, do you? No. You get up and you say, I bind the principalities and witnesses in high places. I forbid them from operating in my life in the name of Jesus. And I loose the angels of God to go forth. My messengers, uh, my servants that were assigned to me from birth to go forth and to bring, pa- bring to pass and to manifest the blessings and the promises of God in my life in Jesus' name. Amen. That's what you do. You don't think it in, you speak it in. How do we bind? How do we lose? Well, this is one of the principles. This is one of the keys to the kingdom of God. In fact, the original says, whatever you bind and loose on earth, heaven will back you. Glory to God. Amen. Why not? Amen? He is Jehovah's Sabaoth, the God of hosts. What do you think that host is for? That host is to fulfill and to carry out those things that you're declaring God is doing. Amen? He's using your words to bring forth and bring to pass his will for your life. The Lord of God goes on and says this. It says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. You know, and, and this is good to practice. I'll never forget, you know, when I was getting married, you know, I, my pastor said this. He said, well, Proverbs says, if a man keeps his mouth, he'll keep his life. He said, but Tom, if you'll keep your mouth, you'll keep your wife. <laughs> but Proverbs says, you know, a soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stirs up anger. You know, we often think about, you know, this is good to apply with one another, try to use soft words. But you know, the word soft doesn't mean just a soft tone. But it means to be tender and delicate. Tender and delicate. And so that's why so often, you know, we think that being wrathful or, or harsh words spoken to us, or we think wrath is, is harsh words spoken to us. But you know, harsh words can be spoken, spoken to us in a soft way. You know, and so a soft answer turns away wrath. 
What about the anger or the disappointments or the discouragement you have on the inside of you because of words spoken to you? What do you need to do? You need to turn those around with your soft answers. Nope, this is what God's doing. I don't receive that in Jesus' name. So you use your words to determine your destiny. Go with me to James chapter 3. And James is writing the believers here. And we're going to forsake a time. Oh, I think I'm probably going to go over lunchtime today, if that's okay with everybody. I'm just going to start with verse 1. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word... He is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. In other words, he said, man, if you say the right things, you're going to keep your body in the right place. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths, and they may obey us. And we turn their whole body. Look also at the ships. Although they are so large, they are driven by fierce winds. They are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts of great things. See how great a force a little fire kindles. A tongue and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. And every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. But I'm here to tell you, this is why he gave us the Holy Ghost. God can tame the tongue. It is unruly, full of deadly poison. We, with it, we bless God our Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursing. My brother, and these things ought not be so. Does the spring send forth fresh water or better from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brother, bear olives and grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt and fresh water. So James is instructing the believers here, listen, the course of your life, just like a rudder can turn a ship or just like a horse's bit can turn a horse, the course of your life is going to be determined by your own words. Not somebody else's words, but by your own words. Your words will determine the course of your life. Your words direct your future. The Passion Bible says it like this in chapter 3, verse 2 of James. Yet if we're able to bridle the words we say, we are powerful enough to control ourselves in every way. That means our character is mature and fully developed. I'm going to say that one more time. If we are able to bridle the words we say, we are powerful enough to control ourselves in every way. And that means our character is mature and fully developed. So when we're speaking about others, it is what impression you leave in the mind of the other person that matters the most. And that's why I think it's so important that not only that we begin to speak well things over ourselves, what the Bible says about us, but we need to be, begin to speak things over other people. You know, it's my goal in life to encourage every person I come in contact with. 
you know, I, when I'm out uh, shopping and, you know, and, and going through the checkout counter and things, I want to encourage people. I want them to feel that they're the most important person in the world. And that's what I want you to feel when I'm in your presence. You know, but these things come as a result of what we say. God wants you blessed. God wants you encouraged. Just want to let everybody know that. We don't have any issues here. We only have two genders in the body of Christ, male and female. And so, but anyway, I do have to be careful because sometimes, you know, my kindness can be misconstrued if I'm speaking to a, a, somebody of the opposite sex that maybe I, I have wrong motives or whatever. So I'm, I'm working on that. But nevertheless, I want you to feel so important that you're so valuable, that you're so loved. Not because I think you're so valuable that you're so loved, but because I have a revelation of how much God loves you. That's why. I know God has a plan for your life. I know he wants you to be successful. I know he doesn't want you to go through the things you're going through. And if you are, I know he wants to make a way out for you. This is how much God loves you. And it goes on and says it can spark a fire. Well, I got to thinking about this. You know, in my flight bag, I have a fire striker, a fire starter, you know, and that's not to start the airplane with. But that's just in case if there was ever an emergency landing, and they couldn't find me for whatever reason, and I had to spend the night, I can start a fire with this thing. And I got to thinking about that, you know, just one little spark, one little spark can burn down thousands of acres and destroy thousands of homes. One little spark. Not just a fire, but a spark. Just a spark. A spark can start a fire. Isn't that right? But if the fire is not controlled, it can become out of control. And that's what it says. That's what your words are. It, it's, it can be just one little spark can cause something to get completely out of control. Well, it doesn't hurt anything to say this. One little spark? Didn't Jesus say we'll be judged for every idle word? Yep. What's well, an idle word? It's a nonproductive word. You know, I want my words to be productive. I want them to bring in the past. I, I, I want them to leave an image of who God says you are on the inside of you. Not just because I'm ministering to you in life. I'm not there, but I'm working on it. Secondly, whatever we magnify becomes powerful. So what happens when we take a magnifying glass and we get the sun just in the right place and we put it on some dry kindling? Anybody know? Causes a fire. What happens if your negative words are magnified? Oh, sure got quiet in this Pentecostal church. But isn't that what happens when we repeat what other people say that's not positive but negative it begins to magnify the image the negative things it causes a fire it's damaging it's destructive and so that's why we shouldn't magnify the circumstances we should magnify the God who helps us overcome the circumstances and the more we magnify God the bigger God becomes now God's already big but the bigger he becomes in our own soul and our own minds and we begin to realize that you know what all things are possible with God I can see God work in my life. I will see God work in our life. How do we answer some of the things that are going on in life? We answer sickness with the word. You know, we don't deny we're sick. We just speak to the sickness and say, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. You know, there might be sickness in your body. You don't deny. Faith doesn't deny. Faith denies whatever you're going through, the power to overcome you. That's the difference. 
You don't deny, you know, and, and, and I, I realize that in some, some uh, of the camps that, that we hear teachings and stuff, well, just don't say that. Well, you know, you don't go to the doctor and stand and sit there and the doctor say, what's wrong with you? And you just stand there and say, figure it out for yourself. You know, I have these symptoms going on. You're not, you're not confessing something that's negative, but you know what? You can speak to that thing and say, go from me in Jesus' name. You know, I encourage you when you worship God, when, especially in the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be thy name, you know, you begin to worship God and say, thank you, Lord, that you're Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth me. And what I encourage you to do is begin to say, I thank you, Lord, that my digestive system works at 100% efficiency. I thank you that my circulatory works at 100% efficiency. I thank you that my nervous system works at 100% efficiency. I thank you, Lord, that my immune system works at 100% efficiency. I thank you that my skeleton system works at 100% efficiency. How many of you have heard that it's natural to shrink when you get older? How many of you have heard that? Well, my wife is old. And I'm 62. And neither one of us have shrunk even a fraction of an inch. I'm still six foot six and a quarter. That's as big as I got. And I'm still that height. Why? Because I declare my skeleton system operates at 100% efficiency. Amen. Amen. You know, just begin to, I, I encourage you to do this and see how your body starts responding. See how your, your, your body starts just reacting to your words. In fact, medical science will tell you this. The moment that you say you're sick, it begins to deteriorate your immune system. Now, I'm not saying you don't talk about the symptoms, hey, this is what's going on in my body. I'm not saying that. But you get in agreement. I'm, a, I'm sick. This thing's killing me. You know? You begin to cause your, your immune system begins to deplete at that moment. Isn't that something? Medical science has figured that out. How much more does God have for us if we'll obey his word? So we answer, we answer uh, setbacks with the word. And what word should that be? He'll repay all. Do you really trust God? He'll repay all. Do you really trust God? He'll repay all. We answer challenges with the word of God. If God be for me, who can be against me? So if someone accuses you of painting their house or truce pink, it's okay to defend yourself and say it wasn't me. If somebody accuses you of painting their house chartreuse pink. It's a fishy lure color. <laughs> anyway, trying to help my wife out here to get this. All right. It's okay to defend yourself. It's all right, it's all right to put things in order. I, and, and the reason I'm saying that is because there was a time in my life as a Christian I thought, well, I can't even defend myself. If somebody said, well, did you say such and such? Well, I didn't, but you're accusing me. No, it's all right to say, no, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. But where we have to be careful is that if we witness something, we can share that, but not to share hearsay. Amen. Pastor, did you paint my house chartreuse pink? No, but I heard my wife did. <laughs> There's chartreuse pink paint in the garage. It was all over her clothes. Maybe it was her, you know. No, we have to be careful. My point is we have to be careful about what we say about other people. But if people accuse you, 
You, you don't have to go and get in agreement with the accusation. God didn't make you to be a doormat. He made you to be an overcomer. Amen. Amen? So James is telling us, hey, why don't you go ahead, just like the rudder directs the ship, just like, you know, bridles help direct horses, why don't you go ahead and let your words become powerful enough that they'll determine your future. Amen? And this is why it takes faith in God. But you have the faith of God to know that your words can determine your future. Your words can turn every negative situation around for a positive. I can't promise you that whatever's happened to your past will be fixed or restored, but I can promise you this. If you'll seek God, God will turn your life around to such a degree that you'll never, ever remember or you'll never have any uh, 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 recompense. That's not the right word I'm looking for either, but you won't have any memory of the past. In other words, God will bless you so much that, you know, your past will look like it never happened. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's Word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.